Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, Senior Pastor David Schmaltz. In this upcoming season, we can look forward to more of the grace of God <clears throat> in all circumstances. That's for certain. And that's what we're going to talk about here today, is about how gratitude really unlocks some wonderful things. And you know, they, they, they've actually done studies on when we're thankful or when we're, we have a positive mind, which of course, it forces us to do that. Because you can always think about what you don't have, isn't that right? I mean, that's easy to do sometimes, depending on maybe your personality or how you're doing at the time or the circumstances. All of that can uh, certainly affect that. But sometimes when we make the choice to be grateful for the things that we have been given and to focus on even the things that we can't see, it begins to change your heart. It begins to change your perspective. And believe it or not, it actually opens the door for more of that good stuff to come. And that is a very critical kingdom principle. But today I want to look at Psalm 103. And I want to break it down for us here today, just a, just a fun Bible study, which is all about what gratitude can do when we focus that gratitude, okay? I mean, we, I suppose there are those who thank the heavens and thank the stars and thank the mountains and the fish and the birds and whatnot, but we know as believers who did that. And when we focus our gratitude toward the creator, the lover of our soul, our savior, there's something very powerful that can take place. So, we're going to talk about what do we have to be thankful for today in Psalm 103 and the blood-bought benefits of God. So let's just jump right in here in the time that we have. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Now the writer of this psalm is going to go on to list some of those throughout the rest of the psalm. So this is kind of the opening door. And, and I love it because it's exactly the, the idea that we get from David as well, that sometimes we have to command our soul to be grateful. Sometimes we have, like David said, why are you so downcast, oh my soul? Put your hope in God. It's almost like stirring himself up, coaching himself to put his focus in the right place. And sometimes that's exactly what we have to do. So the writing here, writer is doing that. He's saying, praise the Lord my soul, and forget not all his benefits. So there's an, a, a switch that's being, that's, that's being turned. It's being turned on inside to say, okay, I'm going to focus on his benefits now because they're easy to forget, aren't they? Because they're tangible yet intangible. They're real, but sometimes hard to see. They're powerful, but yet sometimes we don't know their effect. It's like when God protects us from something that we didn't even know was coming. And so time, sometimes we don't know how to be uh, grateful. Tate, the other day, he missed his flight to go to Boston, and he reminded me, he said, well, Dad, it must be that God was protecting me somehow. And I was like, that's exactly right. When we look at life that way, it attracts the favor of God. It attracts peace. So let's, not, let's move on to what some of those benefits are. Right here, starting in verse 3. He says, who forgives all our sins... And heals all, well, let me just read it, that is. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, 
who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Oh, there's got a lot of good stuff there. And it, again, it's not just poetic. It's not just an empty promise. When we put our hope in God, when we remind ourselves of the goodness of God, it's like a Christmas gift, if you will, that we opened. And it's just sitting there. The Word of God is just full of gifts that we fail to open. Or maybe we opened in the past and we forgot, we put them in the closet, and we haven't enjoyed the benefit of that. It's like a bread machine, man. You, you get it, you use it a couple times, you put it away. Although I pulled ours out the other day, and I've been making bread straight on, as you can see. But anyway, who forgives, not, who forgives all your sins. I mean, what is the power of forgiveness? It's everything. Forgiveness of our sin is what opens the door to everything else. And so that's why the writer starts with that. He says, who forgives all our sins. Don't pass go. Don't collect $200. Know that in Christianity, what it is all about is the forgiveness of sin. Christmas is all about the Savior. He said, to all who would believe. To all who would believe. Thanksgiving is all about thanking our living God. And, and remembering that our sins are forgiven. And you know what? Sometimes that's, that's, that will make your day. I'm forgiven and I'm going to heaven. And it opens the door to know that we'd have, we, we don't have to walk one second, one millisecond in shame or guilt. We don't. He goes on and heals all our diseases. And, you know, there are those who are suffering with diseases right now. I know healing is a big thing. Some people don't believe that healing is a Christian's reward or a blessing that they can receive. I know several people that would uh, change your mind otherwise. What do you say, Lee, Pat? God is a healer. And his healing is available to anybody who wants it, needs it. And here the writer is saying, he forgives my sins. He heals all my diseases. He's recounting this as a benefit that comes from God. And if, if he experienced that in the Old Testament before Jesus, how much more so in the blood of Christ that is available to us? And you may say, well, and, and, and we're not just talking about physical diseases. Diseases of the mind. Depression. Neurosis of all kinds. The traumas that come from this world. He's ready to heal and restore us who redeems your life from the pit. And you say, what pit? Well, we know that Jesus made that pretty clear when he came and he said, look, let me just, I'm here to make it all clear. There's heaven and there's hell. There's a place where those who believe and put their hope in me, he said, I am the Savior. I'm here to pull you out of the pit. I'm here to take you. You have such a, a wonderful gift that you have, have to do nothing but believe to receive. But for those who refuse and stubbornly resist the Son of God, We'll go to a place of suffering that we do not have to go to. He redeems our life from the pit. And he crowns us with love and compassion. Remember, I've been talking about that crown recently. Jumped right off the page of me again. It's almost like it's got a prophetic thing that's flowing among us. You know, to God to remind us, I want to give you a, a crown of my favor. Something that you're wearing that you don't have to physically wear, but it's on you. And it's, it, it gives you a sense of confidence. It gives you a sense of peace. God's favor is upon me. I am, I am a prince. I'm a princess. I'm a child of God. I am one who can walk in the blessings and favor of God because he's for me. He loves me. And he crowns me with love and compassion. 
And, you know, there's something about that that I could go on. You almost hope to do a whole series. What is the power of love, as Huey, Huey Lewis used to say, right? What is the power of love? It's everything. To have God crown us with his love and his compassion. His love because he created, his compassion because he understands. And we're going to see that here later in the psalm. Who satisfies your desires with good things. God doesn't ignore our desires. You know, far too many times I hear people teaching or believing these false things. If we're ever happy, if we're ever experiencing any kind of peace or joy, oh no, that, then you're, you're not really worshiping God. Because if you really touch the heart of God, you should be unhappy all the time. You should be overwhelmed by your sins and your, your, your evilness. That's wrong. That is absolutely wrong. What Jesus bought on the cross for us was to have peace, to have joy, to have that quiet calm on the inside, and to be satisfied. He says not only just to be satisfied, but our desires that have been sanctified, that is, of course, not our sinful passions, but our desires that have been sanctified in God. Our basic needs and wants, the things that we need every day to live, he wants to meet those. He wants to take care of us. He wants to care for us. And, not, and, and Jesus said that. He said, you know, if you ask your father for bread, is he going to give you a stone? Is he going to give you a scorpion? Is he going to give you something like that? Absolutely not. He said, how much more will my heavenly father give you the Holy Spirit for those who ask it? He desires to have good things, and he's going to give us the best things. So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And as you get older, that's a very compelling promise right there. What is, what is a youth? The glory of a young person is their strength. The glory of an older person, as they say, it's our gray hair, but it's our wisdom. Sometimes I just like to have both from time to time. And God is saying, I'm going to give you that. And, and it's funny how strength and energy does come from joy. Isn't that right? That the strength of the Lord, the joy of the Lord is my what? Strength. When we are walking in confidence in God, when we're walking in the peace of God, it gives us energy. Sin robs us of energy. It's death. We're in a slow dying mode. But when the joy of the Lord is in us, it can give us energy. I've seen young people that have no energy. I've seen the youth that have been sat dry. You know, I love to swim in the pool, and I, I've gotten back in there, and, and uh, I love jumping in the pool, and sometimes I see a young person get in the lane next to me, and I'm thinking, I'm going to beat him. I'm going to show him that a 50-year-old, 53-year-old guy can, can still pull some water. And that's okay. Rather than to say, oh, woe is me, I can't do anything anymore. God wants to give us a confidence. He wants to affect our energy. He wants to give us life. Because you can't enjoy life if you don't have life. Isn't that right? I mean, you can walk through day to day and not see the color anymore. You can walk through and have experiences with people and you, can, you don't enjoy the relationship anymore. It's all about the, the division. It's all about the hate. It's all about the, the, all the things that we're not getting. And that just robs you of life. What a, what a terrible, lonely, nasty life to live. I don't want any of it. I forget not all his benefits. I'll leave the people who want to focus on the other stuff to themselves. 
so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Man, ever looked at an eagle? Man, they're not working that all that hard. They get up into those thermal lifts, and they're just up there. And when they sit on the branches, maybe you're driving, going fishing on the river or on, on the lake, and you go along, and you see one of those eagles perched up there. They're standing up there so confident. They know they own this. They know they got this. They're just sitting up there going, large and in charge. Anything moves, I got it. It's mine. Going on in verse 6. The, Lord's, the Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. I'm going to stop there. You know, sometimes we get overwhelmed when we feel like injustice is surrounding us. Sometimes when we feel like we got the shaft, when we got the raw end of the deal, and it is in our, it is in our nature, our broken nature, to want to try to do something about that, to rise up and make others pay, to, to punish someone because you don't feel complete, you don't feel satisfied until you've lashed out and done something and God said, it is mine to repay. Vengeance is mine. So when you see social evils and you think, see going on, I'm not saying that we shouldn't go through the political processes, but I tell you what, if we fill those political processes with hate and injustice and using fighting fire with fire, then you get what it gets. And it, you will get what it brings. But if we put our hope in God, man, I, we were worshiping this morning. And it was so wonderful, Andrew, because as we were worshiping that, that one song, The Lion of Judah, the lion is the lamb, uh, you know, in, in singing that song. I just got a, an open-eyed vision, and I wanted to share it with you. I just, as we were singing that song, I saw the enemy cowering up in the corner. As he saw the triumphant church moving forward, I saw the enemy just, he couldn't stand it. He couldn't stand us reminding him of the Lion of Judah, who is now victorious, and he's coming back. And you know what? It's not even going to be a fight. It's not even a fair fight anymore. Man, the earth, the nations of the earth will be shooting its pop guns of nuclear weapon, nuclear weapons and doing the different things that it does. And then Jesus is going to show up and it's just going to be a... <laughs> He's going to say, enough. I have come. And I'm ending all this right now. And every time we, we remind the enemy... See, the, the enemy tries to remind you of your past. You just remind him of his future. And that ends that right now. And that's what we did this morning. That's the beauty of worship, by the way. It's very prophetic. It's very powerful. Because we're reminding the enemy. And I'll tell you, he runs for cover. I love that. The Lord works at righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. When we're feeling oppressed, we run to our Savior. We run to him. Not man. Not the strength of the horse or anything that man creates. Any isms or philosophies run to him verse 7 is a very powerful verse could be preached in its own right he says he made known the ways to moses his deeds to the people of israel it may just seem like a verse that just okay you know god made his way knows to moses and then he went on to show his deeds to israel no 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 moses got something special what did moses get that the people didn't get knowing his ways and see if you're a Christian who is just only wanting to see what God does, if you're just sitting around waiting for just the glories of God or the miracles, if you just sit around and say, God, I mean, you just see him as a vending machine, God, and, and, or you only worship him when you need something, then you're missing something. I'm not trying to shame us because I'm, I'm guilty of that too. 
But one thing that we need to understand is that God wants to show us his ways like he did to Moses. He wants to have the kind of intimate, close relationship. Jesus spoke of this often and demonstrated it often by sharing the heart of the Father. God wants to show us his ways so that we recognize him. And not only just do we recognize him, but we walk in those ways as well. And why is that important? Because then we don't need him as much in the sense of bailing us out. A lot of times we take a lot of wrong turns, a lot of wrong corners. And, you know, we're all guilty of it. But when you know his ways, you see those things are way far off. And you don't even go down those paths. You don't even go down those roads so that you're walking and you look back and say, you know, why are you so angry with me? Why are you throwing stuff at me? I didn't take the same path you took because I know the ways of God. I've studied the book of Proverbs. I've studied the Psalms. I've studied the words of Jesus Christ himself. I've dug in to the Sermon on the Mount. I understand what the Ten Commandments are and why they are so important to the human condition. God wants us to know his ways. Now, will we still need to see his deeds? Of course, because none of us are God. And we're still going to stumble and struggle. People of Israel, what you find out with the people of Israel is just seeing his deeds was not enough to change their hearts. I hope you get that. Just because they saw the Red Sea open in front of them didn't make them say, oh, well, that's it. I mean, I'm never going to struggle with, with the ways of God anymore. I just saw the Red Sea open. Now, it was only with a matter of days that they were starting to say, oh, we want to go back to Egypt. God's unfair. He led us out here to die. That's how quickly it happened. But when you know the ways, look at Moses. It's not to say he didn't struggle, but he knew, had a relationship with God, he was the one that was connected. He had the mountain experience. He's the one whose face was, was white with the Shekinah glory of, of God. He knew his ways, therefore didn't struggle when it came to those times of questioning. It's not raining. Why isn't it raining? Oh, God's not God anymore. No. When you don't understand the ways of God, you say, okay, he's, he's doing something in me. My roots are supposed to go deeper struggling and battling, supposed to fight. That's because you know the ways of God. Verse 8, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. This is an Old Testament writer. He's seeing ahead to the time of Christ. He says, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger. Man, do you ever see that with the people of Israel? And how much more so now? That when the things of the earth and the thoughts of people, just because God has not judged something instantly, doesn't mean he doesn't like it. And that's a faulty and a fallacious argument, by the way. And it goes on and on and on of some of the things that we allow in our nation and, and that we turn our head to. Just because it hasn't burned up and been judged immediately doesn't mean God is, 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 dis, is not displeased. Because why? Psalm 103 tells us why. 
The Lord is compassionate and gracious. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in love. In other words, he's giving us time to repent. He's giving us time to turn. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. And when we think in terms of our own struggles, and, and that's why he just said, finally, God just said, I'm going to send the greatest gift. I'm going to send Jesus Christ. Because no longer do those who have given their life stand under the judgment and the anger of God. None of it. The wrath of God, as is, is, is Thessalonians describes. No longer. No longer. Because Jesus took all that wrath. He took it all on the cross. But for those who do not put their hope in Christ, receive it all. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. Aren't you glad? You should say a big amen to that one. And I know why you didn't, because you're like, well, I don't sin. I don't want anybody else to know I'm sinning. So let me give you another chance on that one. Aren't you glad he does not treat us according to our, how our sins deserve? Amen. Amen. For as high as the heavens are above the earth... So great is his love for those who fear him. Uh Uh-oh, we got love that's flowing. But that love is directed towards those who put their hope in him. And that word fear, in an Old Testament, New Testament study, by the way, people get confused about the fear of the Lord. In the Old Testament, that is how they described a relationship with God, was to fear him. Now we have no fear. Fear is now belief. We put our hope and our faith and our belief in Jesus Christ. That is our expression of fear. Okay, I want you to get that. That's theologically important. The fear of the Lord in the Old Testament, the fear of the Lord was just say, there is a God and he's the only one. And I will not worship other gods. I will not do this. I will do not that. He is the one that's on the mountain that can't be touched. He is the one that will torch me if I get anywhere near to him. He is the one. But Jesus came down to the earth to say, now I've approached you. And all you have to do is believe in me. Fear is no longer a part of the the equation. So what does that mean? Well, that means as far as the heavens, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for me. That's still true. Now it's easier to receive than ever in the history of the universe by just saying yes to Jesus. As far as the east is from the west, as far as he removed our transgressions from us. And we see that in 1 John 1, 8 and 9. All we have to do is confess our sins and he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. Folks, if you're sitting today in a sense of shame or guilt, I got good news for you. Forgiveness, the cleansing of your conscience is just a prayer away. A confession away. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Exchange that with belief. For he knows how we are formed, and he remembers that we are dust. And this is what I was telling about earlier as far as the benefit. Remember I told you, he says, uh, he crowns us. He redeems our life from the pit. He heals our, I skipped that one, didn't I? He redeems us. And he satisfies us. If you kick down here to what we just read, what is his compassion? He knows that we're but dust. He knows that we're mortal and like grass, grass, that we 
flourish like a flower of the field, and then the wind blows over, and it is gone, and its place remembers no more. God looks at our weakness, our frailties. God looks at us as who we are, and he has compassion for us. He knows that we have weaknesses. He knows that we have infirmities. He knows that we still struggle with sin. He knows that we're still subjected to the weakness of the, the, of the, the, the physical body. He knows that how quickly the chemistry of our brain can get twisted and broken and out of whack. He knows how quickly cancers and diseases can come. He also knows how quickly Satan will leap on a human being and in, infiltrate their body to bring them into bondage. He knows that. That's why he sent his son, Jesus. Because you can almost see our father saying, I've had enough of seeing my babies suffer the way they do. I've had enough of watching them just crumble under the power of Satan, under the power of disease, under the power of all of that. And he says, in one full swoop, we're going to fix this. And what we've learned is that he can fix it here, but it's, it's in the hereafter. It's in the immortality. It's when we receive our new bodies. It's when we live in eternity, when all of this is fulfilled. This has to play out because it's broken. This earth has to burn because it's, it needs to be burned. He has to end this and start over. But what he's saying is, look, for those who put their hope in me, I will rescue from that. It's almost like the sins of Manasseh. You know, we're studying the Old Testament, the Old Testament survey in a class on Tuesday night. And one of the things that we saw is that as you go through the kings, that you see that Manasseh was the turning point. That even though Manasseh repented and turned from his ways, the people of Israel were constantly reminded that they would be judged. They would be taken to Babylon. They would be taken off and scattered around the earth because of the sins of Manasseh. One king, one leader, who brought moral confusion, moral uh, decadence. One leader did that. And even though the leaders thereafter, Josiah and the others who came along later, brought temporary revivals, God said, the nation will have to be judged. And they did. Interesting. But he has compassion on us, for he knows how we're formed. He remembers that we're dust. We're like grass, and the wind blows us away. Moving on. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him, his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. Now we've been invited. See, before you know Christ, it's impossible to please God. Even the, good, even the best works of man without Christ are nothing but dust. So don't get into that. Don't, don't try to say, but we'll look at the glorious things that, that the unbelievers are doing out there in the world. Dust. Worth nothing. Have no effect. Have no credence. Will not be rewarded. That doesn't make a lot of sense to our human minds. But when you think that when I put my hope in Christ who was perfect, that his works were perfect. I, and when, when I stand before the Lord and he says, why should I let you into my heaven? What have you done to deserve this? Nothing. Not a daggone thing. Well, then why do you deserve to be here? That guy. Jesus. He came 
He lived a sinless life. He was obedient to the Father to the very, very end. Even in his last breath, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He said, if I put my hope in him, then his, his righteousness will be my righteousness. His obedience will be my obedience. His victory becomes my victory. To be honest, Father, I don't deserve to be here. But I've put my hope in him. And the gavel goes down and says, forgiven, enter in. That's the gospel, my friends. That's it. And from everlasting to everlasting, God shows his love who believe in him. Remember, take out the fear and put in belief in the New Testament. From everlasting to everlasting, those who, the Lord's love is with those who believe in him. And his righteousness with their children's children. God wants to bless my children and my children's children. There's a blessing that comes and it begins to flow. And those who keep his covenant. What's the covenant? Oh, that's beautiful. Once again, it's just simply God bringing a contract to us and saying, look, I've done this for you, this for you, this for you. I've paid your debt in full. All you have to do is sign on the dotted line. What do you say? This is my covenant. Can't beat that. David M. Schmaltz. I'm in. That's the new covenant. That's the New Testament. Don't believe me? Study up. Study the book of, of Hebrews, book of Romans. It's the beauty. It's the power of the gospel. You know what? It's so simple. After all the elaborate <laughs> temple and all that Jesus did to, to, to make this beautiful, contrasting story, the message is so incredibly simple. And that's why the book of, that's why the book of John is one of the most simple gospels. And that's why his uh, letters, the epistles, 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John, are written like a child would write in the Greek. He wants us to get it. Verse 19, the Lord has established his throne in heaven. His kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works, everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. The writer gets to that point and says, he looks up to the heavens and says, the angels, the human beings who do his bidding, all of us, let us honor and glorify God because there is no one who deserves more praise than the heavenly Father, his creator, as the creator, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So he closes out his, 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 his song, his, his worship. He begins with, soul, put your hope in God. Praise the Lord. And he ends with not only just himself praising the Lord. He said, after all of what I know about my God, every being should praise the Lord. All of the universe should put its hope in God and all those who trust in him. So I'll finish with this. Just quick four things, reminders. Folks, we are to praise the Lord in all things. Nothing has changed regarding God's love for us and all that the work of the cross has purchased for us. Forget not his benefits. Those benefits have not run out. His benefits don't expire. Aren't you glad? They do not. They're from everlasting to everlasting. Don't forget. We've got to remind ourselves of them. We've got to remember that he wants to heal us. We've got to remember that he wants to redeem us. One that I skipped over this one, I apologize. 
He wants to take our lives, which was broken and, and cast off and, and, and disregarded in the minds of the people of this world and make something wonderfully beautiful and powerful in this life. What was cast off, what was broken, God wants to redeem. Remember that you're forgiven. Remember that you're forgiven. I like that because there, that in, in the Greek, forgiveness, I, I forgot, I, I didn't do my, my, my study on that to, to tell you what the mood and the, you know, what all that was of, of the Greek uh, tense. But when we talk about forgiveness, it's an active tense. It's forever. It's constant. It's not conditional. That's what I'm saying. Remember that. And then the Lord's love is seen in his work in us and his work in the heavens. Why do we have to praise God? What do we have to be thankful for? Because God even pays attention. That's like the writer who says, who are we that God is even mindful of us? Who are we that God would even care for us or take even the time? Well, he's our heavenly father. He made us and he wants to show his glory. He wants us to experience his love. And you know what, folks, when we've got that, We've got everything. That, that absolutely covers it all. And so what I want to do is finish here this morning. So I want to give us an opportunity. Andrea's going to come. And I want us to sing a song together. I want to hear your voices. We're just going to have a piano or a keyboard, whatever we're going to do here. So if we could all stand together. I think the greatest gift that we could give to God, as a matter of fact, I know this is the greatest gift we can give to God, is our adoration is our worship. There's nothing physically we can give to him except to say, I believe the wonderful thing that you have done and to pay him back with worship. And so